0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. But if anyone does sin, that's like the, okay. But if anyone does mess up, if anyone does have a bad day, if anyone is tempted, if anyone does fall, then what? Well, we have an advocate with the Father. So with God, the father, almighty maker of heaven and earth, we have someone that advocates for us that comes in before the father and goes, father, I died for that one. Don't hold it against him. I already cleansed them of it. This is the good news for the Christian. So then when we mess up and we have bad weeks and every Christian I've ever known, unless they're lying, they get to come to Jesus and go, Jesus, I failed, I tripped. And he goes, but I've been advocating for you. I've been talking to the Father about you, and I'm standing as your righteousness. I'm I'm actually holding the holiness and righteousness of God over you and not the judgment and the wrath of God. And he says, he is the propitiation for our sins. He's the payment for my sins. So in the Old Testament covenant, if you sinned, You'd have to figure out what category, how severe, what the law required. And if it was little, we're going to get a bird, a dove, probably something like that. Take it to the temple, get that thing. And I am so thankful I am not doing that work today. I'm telling you about the once and final sacrifice of Jesus. The last sacrifice on the altar and then the altar shut down because the perfect blood of the sinless son of God was shed. And now that I am in him, no matter what befalls me. And even if I trip up, I am under that covenant and I don't have to sacrifice animals. I don't have to fillet my flesh. I don't have to even, I don't have to sit there and yell, woe is me. I get to run to a savior that goes, I'm the payment for your sins. And so when we come to God, it's not, I really deserve to be here. It's actually the opposite. The guy on the cross told me I could be here. He said I could come. So if you're having a good week or a bad week, or you're a really, I was going to say crappy Christian, our hope is not in your ability. Our hope is in the man on the cross. And if his blood is powerful, and it is, and the, co- the covenant is real, and it is, then God has said, come to me, come through Jesus. And then no matter what, if you do sin, and he calls them my little children. Now, I know that sounds a little like belittling, But I think he views them as his, like, literally, like, I care about you. I pray for you. I love you. I don't want you sitting there doubting. Every time you mess up, you're out. I don't want that for you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the propitiation, the payment for your sin. That's the best news on the planet. Except somewhere a long time ago, you heard it for the first time. We're like, yay. And now you're here, maybe 20, 30 years into your faith. And you're like, is that it? That is it that's the whole thing you get to come to God you get to know God and you didn't do it and you can't do it and it should just be like oh I don't I can't do it no sit down I don't have to force it no sit down trust Jesus to bring you to the father that's faith that's okay I can't do it and I will mess up you will mess up anybody in here batting a hundred anybody spotless sinless in here but we have one who is and he's who we're following into the throne room of grace and he's the one we're following to the days that we die he's the one that we're following and he is the payment not only for our sins but do you notice what he says but also for the sins of the what the whole world now there's a lot of theological debate and the reformed theological camps and the Free will camps but when I read that I go every person you meet till the day you die who Jesus died for them them so you get to invite this gas station clerk to know God who they were made for and you get to invite every person and every one of your classes students to come and know God and when you go home for Christmas break here which is happening I guess this is finals week and you get home and they don't know him guess what you 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 want to know God You want to know the Lord? Come to Jesus. He'll bring you to the Father. The sins of the whole earth. And by this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, when Jesus was walking the earth, did he keep the commandments of God? Do you think it was hard for him? Do you think it was hard? Or was he just like, oh, well, no. You know, like, what was it? And and I think with Jesus, he's our example. He's the one we're following, right? Uh, The reason I don't think it was hard for him, and you're like, well, of course it wasn't hard for me. He was God. But was he fully man? Okay, great. So he had flesh on him. He probably had temptation on him. In fact, the Bible tells us he was tempted in every way, but he didn't give in to it. So this man that is our example, we're kind of called to like follow the commands of God. And Jesus, the reason I don't think he struggles is because he was close to the father. And he's like, I don't want anything to ruin this closeness. It's easy to follow you because I love you. There was a heart and an attitude of obedience, not out of, hey, you better obey or you're out, but it's, I don't want to disappoint you. I love you. Everything with you is better. Why would I do anything else? But there were external temptations. And he ends this with, wouldn't you like to know if you were in Christ? Anybody in here ever doubted if they're saved or not? Well, by this, we may know that we are in him. Verse six, whoever says he abides in him, lives in him, is connected to him. Remember John 15? I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, that whole whole analogy, same, same verb, same word. Whoever says he abides in him, Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So just do your Jesus stuff. Like, how did Jesus walk? And I know charismatics might try to make this about healing, and I don't think it is. I actually think it's about his character, his holiness, his prayer life, the way he treated people, the way that he was lowly and gentle. I think, I think John's going, if you want to claim that you are in Christ, connected to him, abiding in him, living off the vine, the branch the analogy, then you will actually start to look like him and talk like him I was like is that me Diane no that's you you're fine I got excited who's calling me during the sermon that's a lovely ring my ADD kicked in wasn't it very twinkly Um, if we were honest though and we sat and I go how much of your life looks like Jesus inevitably a lot of hearts drop because we're like it doesn't and there's ways that I get angry not like Jesus and there's ways that I lust not like Jesus and there's ways that I'm tempted and I give in and I'm not like Jesus and I get you get this fear going I don't think that's why John the beloved disciple, is writing this it's not shame it's invitation You can walk close to God, and when you walk close to God, the example, the things that will start coming out of your life are the fruits of the Spirit. You'll start loving people that in the past you would have punched. You'll start being like, that's not a big deal. I don't care. You'll start being generous. You'll start going low. You'll be the person that walks in and goes, anybody need anything? And you're not doing it for lip service, or so people will be like, wow, you're doing it because you genuinely actually want to serve. Those are Produce, that's doing the works that Jesus did. That's washing feet. That's seeing the lowly. And then I do think it would include proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I do think it would include laying hands on the sick and the broken. I do think it would be proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Because the spirit that was on Jesus is in you. So if that's convicting to you, what do you need to change by how you walk see it's not just here come and i'll do it it's hey come walk with me but you're gonna have to choose to obey me and obedience is not a cuss word in christianity it's the lifeblood we are obedient servants obedient friends obedient sons and daughters And not the kind of kids that are like, I'll do it so I get the nice new car for Christmas. We're the kids that are like, I love you so much and honor you and respect you. And I love you. And yeah, there's a little bit of fear in there because God is to be feared. But obedience for me, for the first part of my Christianity was hard. It was like, well, I better not mess up or the anvil's coming. Obedience to me now is light. I love obeying him. I don't want to disappoint him. So, as soon as he points something out in my heart and he goes, Hey, that shouldn't be there, I go, Thank you for showing that. I don't want that there. I don't want that anger. I don't want that lust. I don't want that attitude. I don't want to be far away from you. I want to be close to you. And sin separates, y'all. Disobedience creates division. So, some of you are like, I want to be close to God. I want to be close to God. You know how you get close to God? Obey him and take sin really seriously. Those two things, all of a sudden you'll be like, well, I wasn't obeying and then I started obeying and oh my gosh, I feel the pleasure of God. What? (laughs) Would you do that? Was that for dramatic effect? I appreciate that. Ah, let's keep reading verse 7 if you have your bible still open first john chapter 2 verse 7 beloved i am writing you no new commandment but an old commandment that you had from the beginning the old commandment is the world the word that you have heard at the same time and it is a new commandment that i'm writing to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So he's, he's kind of covering all age groups. I think this is what he's doing. he's doing. People fight about this. But he talks about children, talks about young men, and then he talks about fathers and he's talking about all the places of maturity in the Christian's life. Some of us are children in this room, in the faith. Some of us are are new at this, and it's okay. Like I always say, like probably in theology, I'm probably like a 21-year-old, but in the things of the Holy Spirit, I'm like three. And I think you got to come to grips that not all of us are mature yet, and that's okay. But some of us were like little teenagers, young men, And we've grown through the season of childhood and we're starting to run. But the thing about young men is they're sometimes a little brash and stupid. But then he says, but you fathers, you fathers. And he says the same thing to the fathers. He says, you know him who is from the beginning. You know this God who is from everlasting, eternal, forever. You know him. And what does he say? He could say so many things. If I was talking to this whole body at the same time, there's so much I would say. What does he say? He says, whoever loves his brother is in the light. And whoever hates his brother is in the dark. So this just puts like a premium on, okay, I wanna love God. I wanna be with God. And John goes, great, me too. And I love him. And by the way, beloved disciple here is what he would say. But he goes, the litmus test for that is how well do you love them? Because the love of God has been made manifest. The love of God has been placed on our lives. And there's so many Christians that are going, God loves me, and I don't know who cares. And then they go to work, and they act like complete buttheads. Literally, just put a butthead hat on. You are known as rude, ungenerous, and unkind. But you sure do love God a lot. And John, you would have thought he'd been like, no, you know what? You know what? You know what, this Christian life, it's about laying down and leaning against Jesus. Like that because he did that. He leaned back at the Last Supper against Jesus. And I do think, yes, that love God. That's the old commandment. Love God and love people was in the Old Testament. It was baked in. Jesus Christ himself shows up and summarizes the law. Love God and love others. So what's John doing? This old and new commandment stuff? He's going, you've heard this but so it's not old it's old but it's also new and they probably struggled with this because they have all these different cultures and then there's these false teachers he's about to talk about and these antichrists he's about to talk about and he's going you have to love because the world is dark and when we walk and we love we're actually exemplifying the love that was given to us so once again Jesus dies on a cross and he dies for you did you deserve it Did you give a rip about God before he saved you? Most of us were actually what the Bible says, enemies of his. We stood defiantly against the God of heaven and earth. And then Jesus with his great love just dumped it on us, lavished his love on our hearts. Romans 4 would say that the love of the father has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Anybody had that moment? Where pre-Jesus, you were a little bit of a jerk, maybe a fighter, Post Jesus you're like I don't want to hurt anybody I love you You just like you're like crying all of a sudden you're like I don't cry Ugh. this is the work of God and Paul says it'll be exemplified because you will love the cool thing is guys I see this in this body the stories I hear of you all making meals. Like, I mean, I know, and this is the thing, I pl- I, I, this is hard for me because I'm like, no, like being with God's about like, you know, being in the third heaven and like, you know, spiritual gifts. But no, he's like, no, it's about this tangible expression of the hands and feet of Jesus loving the way he would. And sometimes that's just like, John 21, come here and eat some fish and some bread around a fire with me. And I'll reinstate you. This is Peter being reinstated sometimes it's sitting around a table and washing feet and everybody in going you can't wash my feet jesus sometimes it's multiplying fish and love sometimes it's casting out demons sometimes it's proclaiming it, see the thing is about following jesus i've never walked into a room where he's like just do the same old thing he's always like if i'll listen this is what i want to do here and i'm like i don't know how to do that and he's like follow me And cool stuff happens. The kingdom of God comes when we have a people that are going, my first role here is not to be the best. My goal is not to be the highest, the greatest teacher, the greatest greatest gifted ones. My goal is actually to bless and serve and love you. And if we would come in here every week and I need you to get this mindset that you are to be used by God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to pour the love of God on someone. And the reality is it won't be flashy. There are people holding babies back there right now because they love. I don't want to be them. I'm like, most of the time, I'm like, Lord, just, I got a lot of callings. I just don't want that one. Amen? Are we being honest or no? You're all like, that's a little too mean. I don't like babies. They're like little angry, wrinkly old men. <laughs> I didn't even like my babies. I just, like, they make me nervous, okay? Tangent. Get this mindset that when you come here, you will be asked to pray for people and it might be you that gets to see healing come because you followed Jesus into something. It might be the opposite. It might be, hey, I made the coffee so the guy that doesn't know the Lord feels comfortable enough to hear the word of God be proclaimed and then God cuts him to his heart. It's all connected. There are no big things and small things. There's not plan team A and team B. You are it. Okay. Whoever loves his brother, light. So if you have, if you're hating people right now, if you're having a hard time loving, I I also struggle with that. But the moment the Holy Spirit dumped on me, I wept over people as they called me the most horrible names. I was like, do you need a hug? And they were like, what? And I would just weep and I'd be like, I love you. And I wasn't trying to hurt you. I just, you need to know I'm not offended. You can call me what, like that's God. When Stephen is getting stoned to death, what does he pray? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Somebody else prayed that on a cross. So if you want a mark of genuine Christianity and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's I love people when they spit on me. And I serve people when it costs me, not when they applaud me. Verse 15. And this one is... I know people fight about, but I do think it's for this church for this time. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there are things we must do every day, but they will pass away. So you have to eat. You have to probably go to work. You have to, I mean, there's things we must do, but what is he trying to do? He's going, hey, I don't want you so attached to this that you miss out on things that are going to actually last forever. There are things that you will do in your life that will last forever. Did you hear me? You have things that have eternal consequences. You have things that will ship a human for the rest of eternity into the kingdom of God or not. And sometimes we're like, that's too weighty for me. That's the whole point of this. To get you ready to spend rest of eternity with the Lord in glory and to bring as many people with you as possible. That's it. The summary of it. And, he's, and he calls us out and he's like, don't love the world can we all be honest? It's a little easy to love the world sometimes. I go through, you ever feel that? Call the world, love me. All the commercials right now, we're going into Christmas. You know what it's going to try to teach you? Love this. Love the feeling of buying something that you shouldn't have bought because it was too expensive, blowing up your budget and making your kid feel this much joy for a split second for something they don't even need and won't use in three months. Wow, it's almost like I felt that on a personal level. <laughs> don't love the world but we're in the world right and we have bodies and it's like we're grounded here it's all day long i can feel it calling me to love it and i don't think he's going now i want you to hate people because god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whoever believes in him won't perish but will have everlasting life eternal life so what's he talking about well he defines it If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world. So if you were to describe what's in the world, what's right here in front of us, he says the desires of the flesh. You you know what that feels like? The desires of your flesh? Now, fleshly desires are kind of categorized elsewhere in the Bible, like vain, conceit, jealousy, envy, rage, lust. Those things, you can feel them drawing you sometimes. You can feel your flesh kick in right at the moment that I'm going to go real life, but like, guys, you see a lady jogging down the street, you can feel your flesh, guaranteed. And there's a choice to be made. Uh, Women, I don't know you as well because I'm not one. But you know what flesh feels like? I, I, I know, I think pastors preach or pick on women too much about their words, but you know your words are powerful. And you know the moment that you use the words to your words to wound somebody—that's your flesh. And, and 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 I was gonna say Paul, this is John, the beloved disciple, going, don't love this, don't love this because this, it, 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 this is this. I'm I'm pointing at the building, but the earth, the world is about your flesh. And the world right now has a whole generation that goes, I don't care if it costs me eternity. I just want a moment of good pleasure on my flesh. This is, this is like the sleeping around culture. This is the drug culture. This is like a lot of us were saved out of this. And what was their whole Like, if it feels good now, who cares about later? John's saying the exact opposite. He's actually saying, he's actually changing the paradigm. All this is what? temporary it's gonna go away it won't be here forever and so if you spend your days saying i love jesus but belonging to your flesh you actually betrayed what you should be about the lust desires of the flesh the desire of the eyes you ever just like seen a commercial for something that's like okay let's say you're a golfer anybody a golfer up in here they don't really want to raise their hands because they're kind of like what are you going to say Anybody a fisherman? Anybody, you know, like a car guy? I see you. Uh, You already got cars. You already got golf clubs. You already got fishing rods and fishing lures. I don't know why I put a fish lures. Um, But you come across that ad or you come across another guy and he's like, look at this sweet baby I just got right here. This will catch all them fish, and you and you feel that desire, like you see it, and you're like, I must have that. That's the lust of the flesh. That's the desires of the light, and that's a small microcosm. But all day long, Satan's playing you on this. Your own flesh is playing you on this. And most of the time, we come to church, we're like, I want to know God, but we are ruled by our flesh everywhere else. And I think I think it's time for this church to decide: Are we going to be worldly? Are we going to be heavenly? And heaven is odd to the earth. If you bring heaven to a frat house, they won't want you there because you will remind them that there are greater things at stake. If you bring heaven to the workplace, they won't want you there. They won't invite you to their parties. You won't maybe be liked, but you will be salt and light. And and John's going, that's it. That's the point of this. And then he says, and the pride of life. Anyone ever just felt like, maybe you put your Christmas lights up and you were like, I did good. Some of you, like my one next door neighbor once, like he had a chart for how he mowed his grass. Not this guy. I'm like, hopefully it burns. Like, I just hope like, and then we don't have to do this, but... He was so proud of it. Like his lawn and his outdoor area was like the pride of his life. You and I claim that we have been united with Jesus Christ, that the spirit of the living God indwells us and that we will be with him forever. What else should I be proud about? What else am I taking pride in? And the only reason you wouldn't take pride in that is if you don't really believe it. So then you're like, well, what's the next best thing? Well, I guess grass and barbecue. And I'm, I know I'm speaking really harshly. I, I struggle. With, I'm very all or nothing. Like if you're like, let's fast for two days. I'm like, let's fast for 18. You know, like if do not love the world though is a Bible command. So you and I, we can wrestle with it. But I think the Christian church has been loving the world since about the 1960s. We've loved it. We loved it and then we married it with a version of Christianity that requires no sacrifice, requires no power, requires nothing but our flesh to show up so that we can go, you know, it's okay. It's okay if I say with my mouth, I love Jesus, but then I hate everyone else. It's okay. If I love, like literally all my intention and my daydreaming and I wake up dreaming about golf clubs and fishing and all, none of that stuff's evil. But God died to free you from the earth and to bring you to himself. Do you feel that? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm off. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of my father. And Jesus, I believe, exemplifies. Once again, I take Jesus as my example. I want to be like him when I grow up. He's who I'm following. So when I'm walking around the earth and I'm looking at church, I'm like, Jesus, if you were here and all I have to go on is the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think things would be different. If Jesus walks in this room, what's his will? If Jesus walks in your house, what's his will? If Jesus goes to your business, what's his will? If Jesus was watching you be married, married people, what's his will? If Jesus was at home in your bedroom, what's his will? Do you you see how it, it breaks out of a Sunday mindset so quick? I'm glad you're here, but I want Jesus to own you everywhere else. I want you to walk with him when you get home. I don't want you to be like, ooh, I felt tinglys at church, but now I'm at home and I don't feel him at all. I want you to know God. Do not love the world. It's a trap. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that, that the antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Christian, you have been promised something, eternal life. You will live forever So what are you afraid of now? They can kill my body. They can take my money. They can take my pride. They can shame me. They can stone me. They can throw me in prison. But I have been made a promise that is greater than any threat on earth. You're going to live forever. And I am secure until the day that God decides it's time for me to go. So I'm not afraid of plague or famine. I'm not afraid of anything. And he's calling out that they have actually been taught by John the Apostle the baseline truths of Christianity. That Jesus is the propitiation. He pays for our sin, That the Father is pleased with us and now we get to call him Abba. He, they've been taught those baseline things and now there's these guys, these antichrists, these ones who deny Jesus, these ones that have come and they're like, you know, that's that basic stuff. What you really need is the good stuff. And he's going, don't listen to them. They've gone out from us, and what was probably being taught was that Jesus was not fully God, that Jesus really hadn't come in the flesh, that it was some kind of like spiritual thing when he died on the cross, not a real thing. And so he's fighting false teachers. We do that too. There are many antichrists and false teachers in the earth right now. And we wouldn't probably look at them and go, antichrist, because we think that's one big bad man because we, we read the Left Behind series once and we're like, I know what I'm looking for. I probably don't think that's how it's gonna pan out, all right? He says anyone who denies Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. The savior of the world is the antichrist, literally against Jesus. And so for us, I would say the same thing. Do not stray far from the baseline gospel message. It's simple. That the earth was dark, and that God sent his own son, born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life. He proclaimed a message that was, you must repent of your sins, and if you do and believe in me, you will be saved. That very same man died on a cross proclaiming that it was finished. Three days later, he rose from the dead and announced it Here I am, the Savior of the world, and I have conquered death and sin. So when we come to Jesus, he goes, do you want your sin or do you want my righteousness? And an exchange takes place. And all those that are in Christ are new creations. The old has passed away and the new has come. And now there is this forever promise. You're going to be with me forever. Don't let anybody take you off of that simple gospel. They'll be like, oh, I got the new best thing. There is no new best thing. There's an old, really good thing. The cross stands is just like this. He did it. And we marvel at it and we awe at it that a holy, sinless God would send his very son to die for who? Me. He pursued me. He loves you and me. I write these things, verse 26. To you about those who are trying to deceive you but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it is taught you abide in him there comes that word again right so if you're like man what's this abide go read john 15 tonight in your devotional john 15 is all about abiding and john the disciple John is going to say it twice now before we're ending our time together here in about five minutes. He's going, hey, you have this anointing on your life. And anointing's not a word we use a lot in this kind of church. Do you know what anointing means? Do you know what it like signifies? So when King David, the young boy shepherd king is anointed, uh, the prophet comes and he goes through all the sons and he's like, ah, oh, the big one. Nope. Ah, oh, nope. You have any more? But David's out as a shepherd. He gets called in and they pour oil all over David's head. This is anointing. And does it signify? The lasting, lingering touch of God. So when you hear old charismatic pastors talk about the anointing, they're talking about God's hand being upon someone. They're talking about the lingering touch and effects of a human body being touched by the holy god and what does john say but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you he's going you don't need an old a different teacher to teach you something new you need to lean into the work of god that was established in you when god himself touched you by the spirit that's what he's saying this is when we talk about anointing actually i I, I do. I have anointing oil in my pocket. You're like, that's weird. You must be a charismatic. I actually might be a Bible guy, actually. The Bible talks about is anyone, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders, and I am one. Let them anoint the man with oil, and he will be made well. So I take the Bible seriously, and the oil is not the point. It's not magical. I think it's just oil with some essential smelly stuff in it. Yup. And so when we put this on somebody here, people are always like, that's weird. They didn't do that in my Baptist church growing up. Me either. But what are we saying? We're saying the touch of God is going on you and it's gonna last. And his touch will remain with you and it will change you. He's the healer. He's the anointer. And I have met men that talk about anointing a lot. And I'm like, I don't know if you have as much as you think. And I have met like frail, small old women who have the anointing of God all over them. And what he wants from them, he's like, remember how God touched you? Anybody remember the first moment that God touched you? Do you remember what he did and where you were? I remember all the time. This is what, once again, on Wednesday night, that young teenage boy, he said, God, God, somebody put their hand on my shoulder. That's anointing. That's God placing his hand on a person in a personal way. And I would say the same thing to you. Don't forget the moment that God touched you and changed you and molded you. You don't need the new greatest fad. You don't have to twirl or blow a shofar or pour oil all over yourself. You need to remember the touch of God. He says, abide in him. Live in him. Walk with him. Obey him. Listen to him. Wait for him. Bless him. It's a, you see how it's abide, like just be connected to Jesus. You'll be okay. I think that's every great pastor's sermon. Don't be connected to me. Be connected to Jesus. You'll be okay. Don't stray far from the good shepherd. He's really good. Stay cl- and that's, the, that's the admonishment. That's the, please stay close to him. Don't let anybody tell you to go anywhere else. In verse 28, he says, and now little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know what he's, that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I think we did it. We made it through 1 John chapter two. But he says it again. Did you hear him? He says, abide in him. Live with God. Live in him, through him, for him, by him. And if you're feeling, sorry, i feeling very emotional. If you're feeling like a weak Christian right now, I bet we could trace it back to a place you stopped abiding. You stopped drawing from the source that is our good shepherd. And there's an invitation today to reconnect your life to the living waters of Jesus. He says, actually, abide in him for a very particular reason. Did you read it? Did you see it? So that you will not shrink back in shame when he comes. There's a a truth that's equally like yay and equally like, oh boy, Jesus Christ will come back and he will hold everybody accountable for their works, for their words and their lack of works and their lack of words. See, did you feel it though? Because some of us were like, he's coming back. And then I was like, oh no, this is put your house in order. This is get serious about something that's eternal. This is we are giving our lives to the eternal holy son of God to do his will, not ours. Abide in him, not in your flesh. Abide in God because he's the righteous king and his kids, his sons and daughters will be righteous. They will be white, clothed in white. Just to clarify, clothed in white, pure and spotless. I feel the Lord is asking this church, do you want to be of the world or do you want to be of heaven? You can't do both. You can't hold hands with the world and hold hands with God. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite the band and, and not so we can just like sing and be like, oh, that was nice, but that we might respond. And, and I really want to hone in on that, this idea of the, the anointing that you receive. And I know we already did it once, but I, I want to do it again. I want to ask God to do what he did in that teenage boy's life to put his hand upon you. To put anointing on your life. To put the anointing of God not on a man, but on a church. That God's touch would linger on your life. That you would think, talk, smell, act, be different, that you would be the aroma of Christ on the earth. That means you're going to need somebody else's aroma, somebody else's touch on you. And I'm not, I don't have enough oil, I could try, but it's not about the oil. My grandma just whispered, I got some. (laughs) We get you, we'll get you. It's not about the oil. It's not about if you can find somebody that's more anointed than you. It's about obedience and submission. It's, here's my open hands. Fill them with whatever you want, or take whatever you want. I'm yours. Can we go there? Will you go there? And if you don't have to actually do this, this feels like, never mind. I was going to go Will Smith, what do I do with my hands? Um, would you bow your heads? I'm going to start praying but in about five minutes if, if you're a parent will you go grab your kids when i get done praying the band we're just going to worship and give god all of our attention and there'll be some prayer teams to the left or right um, let them pray for you if you need anything Jesus we give you our attention Father Abba I ask for your coming I ask for the glory and the manifest presence of the Lord I ask for the anointing of God to come and be placed on each member of this church Come put your hand upon the people. Would you anoint them with a lingering touch? That literally where they would think different because you touched them. that first love would like burn in full fire again because you touched them. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.